Uh, we are so excited uh, to have uh, uh, baby dedications uh, this morning. Um, before I get into that, uh, uh, also today, March 21st, uh, if, you, if you didn't realize, is uh, a single parent day, National Single Parent Day. And if you, if you, yes, amen, get, give it up, give it up for those who are raising their kids by themselves. If you know a single parent, uh, if you were raised by a single parent, or if you are a single parent, uh, we are, we are praying for you. We are with you, amen. We are, we are, whatever we can do to help you, uh, we will do. Uh, and, and we want to just acknowledge uh, all the hard work all, all the, the, tremendous, the tremendous job that you do as a parent to raise your child. And so let's give it up one more time for all of those, all of those hard workers raising their children by themselves. Amen. But you know that you are not alone, right? You know you're not alone. That's the awesome thing about serving God is that you are not alone. God is helping you. Amen. Amen. God is with you. God is with you. He is your husband. He is, he is helping you. He is strengthening you. He is giving you everything that you need to raise those kids in the things of God. Amen. So know that you are not alone. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so uh, we have our baby dedications this morning, which we are so excited to do. So I'm going to hand the mic over uh, to, okay, let me announce them. All right. So when I announce your name, uh, please come on up, all right, and, and, and bring, your, bring your little one uh, with you, and we are going to pray for you this morning. All right, first parent, uh, Rodolfo and Jesusita Vigil, come on up, come on up. We have uh, Benjamin and Cynthia Frias. Go ahead and come, make your way up as well. And we have uh, Pastor Ruben and Sister Nora Durant. If you can make your way up to the stage. Amen. Beautiful families, right? Beautiful, beautiful. What a privilege and an honor it is. Amen. It truly is a privilege and an honor to be entrusted to raise children. We know who we are, right? We know who we are. God has entrusted us to raise children. Some of us may think, you know, God has a sense of humor. No, God trusts you, and God is going to equip you every step of the way, and so we're blessed to have you all up here uh, uh, making a commitment this morning that you are going to raise your kids in the things of God. We know that, it, we know that, that you know, times do get difficult, but know that God is strengthening you. Know that God has given you everything that you need. If you just call on his name, he's going to give you everything you need to be that godly parent to those children. And you're going to see them do great things in the kingdom of God. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So if you guys could all stand with us this morning, we are going to pray for these couples. If you could outstretch your arms with us, we're going to pray for them this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you right now, Lord God. Lord God, we thank you for your keeping power, Heavenly Father. We thank you for the wisdom and knowledge, Lord God, that you are giving to them, Lord God, to raise their kids, Lord God, in your ways, Father. Lord God, we thank you right now, Lord God, for you are faithful, Father. You 
one more time here in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Thank you, each and every one of you. What a stance you are taking and in front of, in front of a great crowd of witnesses. Amen. And know, and know that this family you see here is exactly that. It's a family. We're praying for you. We're with you. We're supporting you every step of the way. There's a lot of people here. Reach out. Reach out. Amen. God bless you all. God bless you. You guys can exit off this way here. Amen. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I almost forgot here. Thank you, Matt. The certificates. I should have passed those out first. Amen, amen. Let's give it up for them again. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I'm sorry, like that, like that song says, like I probably got caught up in the moment. <laughs> Whew. Thank you, Jesus. How many know God is good? God is good. And God has a great word for you this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Beginning in verse 1, the Bible reads like this, and it says, The disciples came to Jesus and asked him, who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? <laughs> these, guys, these guys are something else. It says, Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, he says, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. He says, so anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the wonderful privilege and the honor, Lord, as I bring forth your word, Lord God, from the pulpit, Lord, that you would anoint it, Lord God, with your love, with your truth, with your authority, Heavenly Father. 
as you have called me to do, Father. Help us, Lord God, not only to be hearers, but doers of your word. We know that through that we will see the blessings, we will see the rewards, Lord God, as you seek to give bestow upon our lives. Father, thank you. Thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I entitled this message, The Greatest in the Kingdom. The Greatest in the Kingdom. Now here we have a situation where the 12 disciples are actually arguing over who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine these guys? These are grown adults telling Jesus, Jesus, who is the greatest? Jesus, who do you love the most? Who's your, who's your favorite friend? <laughs> who do you like hanging out with, Jesus? Here they come to him and they bring this, this silly question. And I could picture, I could picture Peter, right? Peter telling, telling the guys, oh man, this is, this is an easy one. This is a no-brainer. We know who's going to be the greatest. I mean, just look at who walked on the water with Jesus, right? And then he raises his hand. Right here. Walked on water. And then I could picture, I could picture James, uh, 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 the, the Bible calls him James, James the Great, um, and there was also a James the Lesser, which is, you know, if you're, the, if you're James the Lesser, it's not funny. But, you know, hearing the, hearing the story now, it, you find some humor in it. <laughs> so you have, I'm sure, you know, James the Great probably said, oh, Peter, you know, come on, man, really? We saw you doing it. You were sinking. You didn't, you didn't even walk for that long. You started, you started to, get, you know, to get scared, and Jesus had to help you up. Come on. And I'm sure Peter was probably like, well, you know what? I didn't see any of you guys step out of the boat, right? All of, all of you little wimps were still in the boat and watching me do it. You could only imagine. You know, we know Peter was always outspoken. You know, Peter said what he thought. So we know that there was probably, you know, some of that going on. But what a silly conversation. What a silly argument. Out of all the things that you can be discussing, really you're going to bring that up? Jesus used it as an opportunity, as he always does, to teach the disciples a valuable lesson. See, he was teaching them the importance of humility. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, be humble. See, the disciples were so fixed on position. They were fixed on title. They were fixed on exalting themselves. It goes to show a lot about who our Lord is, though. Because here you have these 12 men who are having this silly argument. And then you have Jesus. You have our Lord, who shows so much patience to them. Who, you know, G Jesus didn't say, you know what, I've had it with you guys. I mean, this is just the icing on the cake. 
you know, I'm done. I'm leaving. You guys, you know, you know, bye con Dios, you know. <laughs> More ways than one, yeah. I'm done. You guys are silly. You're petty. No, but Jesus was patient with them. Jesus showed them love, and he continued to do this. This says a lot about our God. This says a lot about who he is. You see, God hasn't given up on us, amen? Thank God. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, thank God for his grace. That's right. By his grace, you are here this morning. You are here this morning by his grace. I think Paul said it best when it comes to humility, and he says this in Romans 12, verse 16. He says, live in harmony with each other. I mean, right there is, is already, you know, grounds for an altar call. <laughs> live in harmony with each other, Paul says. He says, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. I like this. He says, and don't think you know it all. Mm. Don't hit your neighbor and tell them, I'm, this is why, you know, this is why, you know, this sermon is for you this morning. Don't, don't hit them, all right? This sermon is for you. Not for the person sitting next to you. Well, it is for them too, but don't focus on that. Focus on your own life. He says, don't act like you know it all. Don't be that person. I may know someone like that, Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Know-it-all. <laughs> they know everything. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing how much information they store in that little brain. <laughs> but what Jesus was saying was take a place of low importance. Because he was saying, I want you to be like a child. Back in the day, the children... Children, you know, weren't looked up to. They were looked down. Actually, you know, you have, you, have, you have to take care of them. They can't do things on their own. It isn't like an adult where they can think on their own and they can, they can you know, solve, solve problems and things like that. There was a low importance. They weren't, they weren't glorified. So Jesus says, I want you to take the role of a child Jesus says in Luke 14, 11, he says, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. How many of you, God has humbled you at some point in time in your life? It was not the best experience. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You know, when, when he mentions that, you know, the humble will be exalted, it doesn't mean that you're looking to be exalted. It doesn't mean that you're looking for the attention or you're looking for the accolades. Why? Because a humble person doesn't require those things. You see, a humble person says, you know what? I know why I'm doing this, and I'm not doing it for a thank you. I'm doing this because, because of what God has done for me. Everything I have is undeserved. Yeah, I can, I can say, well, I did this and I did that and I did this. No, God gave you the means to do so. He gave you the means to do so. He gave you the breath 
to do so. See, Jesus was using an example in this chapter here of Luke 14 of being a guest at a wedding feast. And this is the scenario Jesus gave to the disciples, and he says this. He says, all right, when you go to a wedding feast and you look for the best seat in the house, you know, we could, we could picture someone going to a wedding and, you know, they, you know, we know that for the most part, you know, they have tables reserved, right? You know, they, sometimes they have them marked by numbers or actually by name. And so you could, you could picture someone going there, you know, just a, just a friend, you know, of the bride and groom. And they, and they say, Yo, you know what, I want to I sit at table one, right? And they sit at table one. Jesus says, Jesus says, look, if you try to pick the best seat in the house, he says what's going to happen is that someone of more importance than you is going to come up and you're going to be asked to leave from your seat and sit somewhere else. Can you imagine that? I wonder if any of you have tried that. <laughs> I'm going to sit right here. I don't care what they say. You know, I've, I've known them for 40 years. I can sit wherever I want to sit. No, that table is for the groomsmen or, or for the bridesmaids. You can't just sit wherever you want to sit. And Jesus says, you will, be, you will, you will uh, uh, learn humility because you're going to have to be moved from your seat to sit somewhere else. He says, but check this out. But if you pick the lowest seat at the foot of the table, when the host sees you, they're going to come up to you and they're going to say, why are you sitting way over here? Come on, come on. I got a better seat for you. Come on and sit over here where I reserved a spot just for you. And Jesus says, and when the host does that, you will be honored in front of everyone. Doesn't that make so much sense? He was teaching humility, what it looks like. Jesus was telling them, don't exalt yourself. Let God exalt you. He also says in Matthew 5, 5, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. See, we are to be like Christ in how we treat others. Jesus says we are to be like a child. Be like a child. I want to look at a few characteristics here of a child as Jesus uses them as an example uh, for us to follow. We can use all of these in the area of humility and bringing ourselves to a place of not self-seeking. Number one is trusting. How many know children are trusting? Aren't they? They're trusting. I mean, they trust you as parents. Some of you, when you became parents, you didn't, you didn't even trust yourself as a parent. You were like, oh my, how am I going to do this? Right? What did I do? What did I get myself into? But they trust you. 
You know, you don't see a kid worrying about uh, uh, getting, getting food, you know, what they're going to eat for lunch. Why? Because it's always supplied. You know, they may get angry at you if you bypass that time, but they're not worried about it. God always supplies for us as we supply for our children, just the same. And even more so, God knows exactly what we need. Despite all of our inconsistencies in our own lives, they still trust us. You know, for the most part, you know, I don't, I don't see any kids worrying, <laughs> stressing out. And parents, don't be talking about things that are stressing you out in front of your children. Don't be doing that. You know, our nursery workers don't want, don't want you know, uh, to see a three-year-old worrying about how their parents are going to pay the gas bill. They don't want to hear that. That's not, that's not for them uh, to, to think about. I think of a kid, their faith is so pure, it's genuine. And Paul writes this to Timothy in 2 Timothy verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, as he recalls their last meeting together. And he, and he says, I remember your genuine faith. And not that anything changed in Timothy's life. But Paul was just reflecting on their last get-together. Paul was basically saying to Timothy, man, I remember the last time we hung out, Timothy. And what a good time we had. We always have fun together. But I remember your genuine faith. I remember how real it is. You weren't just trying to put up a front because I was with you. It was real. You have a real relationship with God the Father. And Paul brings out that this genuine faith was also generational. Because he says, he says, I remember it was the same faith that your grandmother had. It was the same faith that your mother had. It's that same faith that I see in your life, Timothy. See, parents, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Keep the faith, amen. Keep trusting in God because it is going to affect generations to come as well in your life. Your kids will see your faith. Your, your kids' kids will see your faith. And they will come to know the Lord through your faith, many of them. You need to keep persevering. You need to keep pushing through. Why? Because there's a lot of eyes watching you. There's a lot of eyes watching you. But that's awesome. Because God has put you in a place that people can actually be encouraged through your life. See, no more, no more are we hurting people with our words. No more are, uh, uh, do, we, do we feel like we've let so many down. See, now serving God, God is going to use your life to uplift. God is going to use your life to encourage. God is going to use your life to draw so many to know him. Through your life, 
Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. I like that. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Keep your mind on Jesus. Keep your mind on Jesus. And God says, you will be in perfect peace. Perfect peace. He says, because he trusts in you. So he says, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. When you are connected to God, amen, you have that firm foundation in your life. Yes, you're going to go through storms, but guess what? You won't be uprooted, amen, because you're grounded in the Lord. You're grounded in the everlasting rock. Thank you, Jesus. I think one of the best illustrations of trust, if you've, I'm sure you've seen that before where someone, where someone trusts, you know, a, a group of people uh, to catch them, you know, when they fall back, right? You thought I was going to do it. You thought I was going to do it. How dare you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I could have hurt myself. That's the ultimate trust right there. I mean, you have to, you have to, you have to think, you know, uh, you know don't, don't look at who's down there, right? Because you might, you might find some reasons why someone wouldn't want to catch you. <laughs> but you got to trust that the people down there are going to catch you. Our trust in the Lord. Your trust in the Lord that you say, God, I'm trusting in you that you are going to catch me. I'm trusting in you, Lord, that when I take that step, that you are going with me. You're going to protect me. You're going you're to even pave the way for me. You're going to give me your favor. You, wherever wherever my, my feet step, uh, I'm going to see success. Because you are fighting my battles. Humility is what we're talking about. Do you trust God? Do you trust God to, to, to put yourself in a place where he can exalt you? Not in a place where, where, where so-and-so sees what you're doing and they give you the, the you know, pat on the back and they say, great job. No, but you work as unto the Lord and you say, oh, man, God is my rewarder. God is taking care of me. I don't need anything, amen. God is supplying my every single need. Do you trust in the Lord? Another thing about kids is not only are they trusting, but they're always learning, aren't they? They're like sponges. Some of you could think of some situations that you know I'm right, right? They repeated some stuff that you didn't want them to repeat. <laughs> yes, they're like a sponge. My three-year-old son is at that age where he asks a million questions. Kid you not, a million Dad, what is that for? Dad, what are you doing? Dad, how long is this going to take? Dad, where's your car? 
for some reason, he has this fascination of always asking about my work vehicle. It's, just, it's weird. He's always asking, where's, the, where's your car, Dad? Where's your car? Recently, he was helping me do some yard work. And the questions begin. Dad, what are you doing? Well, I'm sweeping the floor. Why are you sweeping the floor? Well, I'm picking up the grass. Well, why are you picking up the grass? Well, because I just mowed the lawn. Well, why'd you mow the lawn? Well, because the grass was long. Well, why is the grass long? Well, because I put some seed on it and I watered it. Well, why'd you put seed on it and water it? Finally, I said, why do you ask so many questions? (laughs) And he says this, because that's how I learn. I stopped everything I was doing. I was, I, I was dumbfounded. I wasn't ready for that response. <laughs> Come to find out later that, that he, he, he learned that uh, in school. Uh, 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 Sister Kathy taught him that in school, and he learned that here in New Harvest. Amen. New Harvest School. Because that's how you learn. <laughs> That's how I learned, Dad. I ask questions. Get with the program, right? Is what he was saying. <laughs> you should know this by now, Dad. You're older than me. <laughs> I felt this little. <laughs> but it's so true. It's so true. We should, we should always be forever learning. Don't ever think that you're at a place where you know it all. Because you're going to come to a rude awakening. And you're going to get schooled by a three-year-old. <laughs> you can't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. <laughs> Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 5. He says, let the wise hear and increase in learning. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Let me read that again. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. God says if you're listening, then you're about to learn something. But if you close your ear to what's being said, then you're just like a fool. That's not me. That's God's word. Don't get mad at me. Don't throw your Bibles at me just yet. He says, if you, are, if, if you want to learn, you have to hear. God always wants us to learn. There's always opportunities that God is teaching us, just like with the disciples, how Jesus used it as a, as, as a, as a, uh, a situation to teach them. Like I said, Jesus could have said, you know what, forget you guys. I'm done with you and your silly games. But he used it as an opportunity to teach. This is what Jesus does. Nothing gets wasted. Nothing gets wasted. Always learning. Lastly here. 
Children are cheerful. What do I mean by that? Well, usually a child's bad day uh, can be reset with a good night's sleep. (laughs) That's all it takes. Give them some milk, put them to bed, and they'll forget everything that was done before their nap or before their sleep. They won't remember it. I can't, I can't tell you about anything that took place in my life before I was five years old. And I only say five years old because I only, I only remember kindergarten, you know, being that age. I only remember school things. But before that, I don't recall anything. You know, we know that, you know, kids are so quick to forgive, aren't they? They're so quick to even, check this out, to forget things. You know, even, even when, when, when uh, uh, in our lives, you know, someone hurts us, you know, yes, we can, we can forgive them with God's help, but to forget things sometimes is, is, is near impossible. But kids can just forget it. You know, they can, they can fight with someone else, and then the next minute they're eating together. They're playing, you know, toys with each other again. Proverbs 17, 22 says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. But a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Isn't that so true? When you feel hurt, you know, you feel like someone just, Sucked all the life out of you. You feel just so distraught and broken. You don't have any strength. You feel wiped out. But when you, when you encounter someone who is cheerful, I mean, you know that cheerfulness is contagious. It's contagious. It'll, it'll rub off on you. Solomon also says in Proverbs 15, verse 30, he says, a cheerful look. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart. You see someone going through something, you give them a cheerful look, amen? You give them a cheerful look. You give them a nice big smile of those pearly, pearly whites, amen? Pull that mask off for a second and give them a big old smile. You give them a cheerful look. You, you brighten someone's day. Can you imagine that? You brighten someone's day by how you look. <laughs> I thank God for that. (laughs) So quick to bounce back. Cheerfulness. You know who those people are. You know, sometimes it's when you're having a bad day. It's that, it's that person that you don't want to see, right? It's that person that you try to avoid uh, because you're, you're planning, you know, the world's biggest pity party. And you don't want to see them. You don't, you don't want them at your, at your pity party. It's going to be, you know, just you, yourself, and, and yeah, just them two.
cheerfulness. I told a story a while back ago. Maybe some of you have heard this one. These parents had two young boys, and one was an optimist. The other was a pessimist. So the parents are really concerned about the boys and, and the, the differences um, between the two and, you know, wanted to find, a, wanted to find you know, some kind of balance in their life. So they sought professional help. So the professional pulls the, pulls the kids and says, all right, let's, uh, let's try this. Let's try this. Let's put the pessimistic boy into a room full of brand new toys. And with the optimistic child, we're going to put this boy into a room of horse manure. So they left the boys in there for about 30 minutes. Come back to the pessimistic boy in his room full of brand new toys. They walk in and the boy is sitting in the corner and he's crying his eyes out. And they ask him, what's wrong? You got all, you're, you got all these toys that you're surrounded with. And he says, well, there's so many toys that I don't know what to play with. Go to the next room with the optimistic boy. In the room full of horse manure. They walk into this room and they see this kid cheerful. He's smiling. He's so excited. You can sense, you can sense the zeal. And they're like, why are you so happy? The boy says, well, with all this manure, there must be a pony here somewhere. You see, it's a matter of perspective, isn't it? In our lives, it's a matter of perspective. Some of you may be sitting in a pile of dung. <laughs> I don't know if you are. <laughs> There's a pony in there somewhere. <laughs> don't let them bite you. <laughs> Cheerfulness. Jesus Jesus teaches them a, a, a lesson in humility. When you're, when you're humbling yourself, amen, be cheerful in that time, amen. Don't, don't, don't look like you're down and out. Well, I'm just serving God. You know, I'm just cleaning toilets. You know, I've been doing this for 20 years now. And, you know, they could have chose someone else. You know, I saw, I saw so-and-so just sitting around doing nothing. But yet they call on me. They always call on me. I don't know why. I'm like Charlie Brown around here. Everyone's always picking on me. You might do it, but you do it with a bad heart. And God says, no. God, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver, doesn't he? Doesn't he? He loves when we give cheerfully. He loves when we, when, we are, when we are working as unto the Lord and when we understand that when we are working as unto the Lord that God is going to give us everything that we need and, that, and that, uh, that all glory goes to God and that we're not looking for the exaltation but we know that God is going to lift us up, amen? He's going to lift us up. You know, God always, God always equips those he calls, amen? 
And it's, and it's interesting, you know, how, how God does what he does, how God chooses and, and how he uses uh, individuals. It wasn't, it wasn't based upon what that individual uh, uh, qualified for, amen? I mentioned earlier, you know, God doesn't have an interview process for us. He doesn't, he doesn't say, well, you know, well, let, me, let me know, let, let me see what you know. And then, and then we'll find out if you are, if you are uh, of value to me. No, God doesn't do that. Instead, God says, come as you are. <laughs> Check that out. He says, come as you are. God says, bring all of your dirty laundry with you. Bring it all. You want some cleansing? Well, bring it to church. Bring it to the house of the Lord. And you will see that I will do the cleansing like you've never been cleansed before. The disciples. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? <laughs> Who's the greatest, Jesus? Is it I? Is it I? Who is it? Who's going to have the best things? Who did the most? Who are you closest to? Who do you love? Jesus says, I tell you right now, you don't need to worry about having the best things in heaven you got to worry about getting to heaven. you got to be concerned about making it. And you're only going to do that when you humble yourself. You're only going to do that when you drop to your knees and you say, God, I surrender. Lord, I surrender. Because if you haven't surrendered your life, As every head is bowed, every eye closed.